0: Oh, yeah, this isn't our usual introduction. This is our very first classic episode. Can you believe it?
2: Already a classic. Uh, how long has it been? But we do. We did the math. We we have three hundred and seventy something episodes in the feed, and we wouldn't typically do this, but it is uh, the lead up to Memorial Day weekend, and we are, you know, uh, human beings, uh, patriotic human beings, and we we felt the need to, you know, take the actual time off. So we're going to introduce
0: uh, this classic episode to you today. Many of you have maybe not heard it. That's right. That's right. Uh, for people who are on Apple Podcasts, you may in fact be unable to find this episode of course we had to have our super producer max williams aboard max i think we told you oh and i'm I'm bad i think we told you that the uh <laughs> that this episode is uh, is about british lawyers right did we tell him that Noel?
2: i don't recall but now he knows how do you feel about this max <laughs>
1: Oh, I feel pretty good. I mean, thankfully, I read the tea leaves and I already, you know, have the episode selected and everything. So we should be good.
2: Ah, oh, you're the best. Well, it turns out that British lawyers, you may have seen them in like, you know, British law and order. That's mm-hmm. got to be a thing, right? Or at the very least, you know, British crime procedural shows. The lawyers, still to this day, out of uh, a, a sense of nostalgia, perhaps, and tradition, tradition. Yeah. which we know the Brits are big on, wear these weird powdered wigs. hmm. Yes.
0: We're so glad to share this with you, folks. This is I believe the one of the very first episodes we ever did, if not, the actual first ridiculous history episode. So in a way, max, we're we're welcoming you to the show from the very beginning. Just as is our want, we're doing it very late. We're doing it several years later. It's true. Uh, <laughs> and, and just a word to, word to the wise and,
2: and to, to ourselves even, this could be a really fun kind of time capsule uh, peek behind the curtain situation because this was very, very early in the show. And as you know, sometimes these shows uh, take a little time to stretch their legs and find their <laughs> voice. So it could but, suck, but I seem to remember it being fun. I played it for my mom and she liked it. So that's my gauge.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. I think we all had a good time. And just I love that you mentioned peek behind the curtain, Noel, because this is an episode we recorded when we thought we were only going to do this show for like six weeks.
2: Yep. So we definitely have a bit of a fatalistic attitude. You can totally tell we're just kind of like Thelma and Louise driving off the cliff (laughs) at the end of the movie because, you know, this is all there is. So why not just go for it?
0: And so uh, we hope that everyone has had a great weekend. Uh, Hope that you have a Monday off as well. If you have ever asked yourself, why on earth do British lawyers wear those wigs? Well, we're going to tell you. Welcome to the show. Uh, my name is Ben Bolin. I am not a lawyer.
2: Mine, uh, you you, know, you ever like those lawyer jokes? Lawyers really get crapped on, don't they?
0: Yeah, they get a tough time, especially in the world of comedy. What do
2: they say? lawyer? What's uh, What do you call 100 lawyers at the bottom of the ocean?
0: A good start? I also heard one that says, uh, what's the difference between a dead lawyer and a dead dog in the street? There are uh, skid marks in front of the dog.
2: So, hi, to all our lawyer listener friends. Uh, I'm Noel Brown. This is Ridiculous History. Um, before we started, uh, our, our producer Alex said, all right, we're rolling on laser wigs. Yeah. I want to do a podcast on laser wigs, but apparently that's not a thing. But
0: lawyer wigs are a thing. Yes, lawyer wigs are a thing. Uh Growing up as a kid, I was always very skeptical about this, and I, I had assumed <laughs> I that it was just like a, a television was, yeah, thing, the televisual sight gag. Yeah. So, what we're talking about is something that maybe I'm familiar to a lot of people, but it's definitely familiar to you if you live in a lot of Commonwealth countries, you know. And that is that in the legal system, especially like the UK, I think is the most well known for this in the in the legal system these people who are practitioners of law the dark arts <laughs> the dark arts uh their formal courtroom attire includes these incredibly anachronistic wigs you know that, like powdered wigs just just think George Washington yeah just yeah just like the George Washington wigs like a founding father wig and it the this goes for uh, male as well as female uh, judges and barristers, right? And there's like a hierarchy of, like, wig
2: quality too. We'll get into all that. But <laughs> this is a fascinating world, the world of of, of legal wiggery. Um, I mean, seriously, this is pretty comical. But it's also there's a lot of really fun stuff to unpack here. So why don't we uh, get
0: to unpacking? Sure. It... So, you know, tradition is a dangerous and tricky thing. And our species loves doing stuff just because someone else did it earlier. Tradition is a hell of a drug. Yeah. Rick James said that. I'm pretty sure that was was Rick James. The thing with these wigs is that they are thought by the proponents of the practice to – impart an air of formality, you know, that the idea is that you go into a courtroom and you sit down and you see the wigs and that coupled with the judiciary proceedings make you think, oh, wow, this is serious.
2: You don't think someone somewhere down the line misconstrued the
0: word formality with hilarity? Right, right. And we're not, (laughs) we're not making fun of, we're not making serious fun, I should say, of this practice, but you can understand how strange this seems to people who are not familiar with it. The Whigs, uh, according to other proponents, are an emblem of anonymity. They distance the wearer from personal involvement and they visually draw on the supremacy of the law. This is according to a guy named Kevin Newton – a dc based lawyer who studied law at the university of london and they have a
2: name it's not just called a lawyer wig or a laser wig <laughs> these uh these headpieces are called perukes p e r u k
0: e so punk sounding peruke i don't know why you get peruked up you know i know so the the the, the rules are pretty specific as well so I think i'm going to peruke <laughs> <laughs> but a peruke,
2: it's got a name, and it's just—I guess—I guess that's specifically, would could you use that term outside of the legal, the courtroom setting for this style of wig? Is it referring to the style of wig, or specifically a wig used in legal setting? I don't know.
0: Peruke is an archaic term for a periwig, uh, which is a highly styled wig that used to be worn for both by both men and women. So. In this situation, I I imagine them drawing the line at the use of the phrase periwig. They're like, no, we're calling them perukes. Totally. Because this is serious. Well, a
2: peruke definitely has a, a more of an air of a kind of finality to it, you know? Like it's yeah. a much more kind of sh- sh- sharp edged word. A True. periwig sounds frivolous.
0: It sounds too, there's too much whimsy in a exactly. periwig. Exactly. It's very la da. Check this out, man. Wigs. Uh, if a barrister doesn't wear a wig, it's considered an insult to the court. Stop the presses. A barrister? Yes, a barrister. So there are barristers, solicitors, and judges. Barrister can be distinguished from a solicitor because they wear a wig and a gown in court. And they also work at higher levels than solicitors. Their main role is to act as advocates in legal hearings so they're they stand in the court and they plead a case on behalf of their clients to the judge who is also peruked up
2: but like i was saying earlier ben uh you know do you know about the wigarchy the hi- the hierarchy of wigs like it's it's a thing it's really really cool lay it out for me oh man so you know you've got your barristers who wear these slightly kind of frizzed up wigs that are kind of frizzy at the crown, and they have horizontal curls on the sides and the back, like little, uh, like, like you know, like your mom's curlers, you know, that kind of like a little nice tight, uh, what do you call that? What kind of curl is that? Is there a name for it? I would go a curl. It's not Jerry. It's a, more of a. Could you say ringlet? A ringlet. Yes. Ringlet. Really? Exactly. That is exactly the word I was fishing for. So yeah, but they're like very organized in there. They flow down the sides and the back, um, and then they have two long kind of Jedi braids of hair that hang down below the hairline on the neck, uh, and they sport a looped curl at each end. Right, so it's like that's kind of like a Jedi uh, a Jedi braid. These are yeah, these are very specific rules. Very too. specific, and you got different types of lawyers. Different styles of wigs. The best one, though, is the Judge. Because the Judge has a similar, similarly styled wig, but it's way... Like, it's like a blown-out version of the Barrister's wig. It's a full wig um, from a slightly frizzed-out top, and it kind of transitions into this tight, horizontal array of curls that go several inches down your shoulder. And uh, these wigs, all of them, from judge to barrister, what have you, are made of white horsehair, um, and there's a certain amount of gravitas that's associated with the yellowing that happens as the wigs age, because it imparts a certain amount of, uh, you know, respect. You've got, you know, you got that yellow wig. You've been at this for a while, right, sir?
0: Yeah, right. Or madam. Nowadays, obviously, wearing one of these is, at the very best, a fashion statement. You know, like if our uh, if our super producer Alex showed up one day. And said I'm, you know, and was wearing a barrister's wig. This is me now, guys. Yeah, this is the choice I have made in life. Uh, of course, we would support him because we're we're all actually friends. But it would be weird because people don't typically wear wigs in that style now. People still wear wigs in general, but they're very it's very different nowadays. And once upon a time, wigs were considered an essential part of being a well-put-together professional. Like if you if you were a, a person of substance and means, then you wore a wig. It was during that time culturally when wigs began to appear in courtrooms. And so it was seen as a mark of a bit of elitism, a mark of authenticity, a mark of professionalism, and a mark of success. This was in the 17th century, so only the the creme de la creme uh, socially speaking were those powdered wigs that were made of as you said no horse hair those were just the really dope ones though like those were the the upper echelon
2: of powdered wigs There's a whole array of materials uh, mm-hmm.
0: that kind of uh, stepped down the uh, the quality ladder i guess you could say right yeah 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 there was a uh, goat hair spooled cotton hair stolen from the dead that is true I want one of those. You want a you want a, a dead man's uh, scalp? Dead man's scalps tell no tales, my
2: friend. <laughs> and that's dark. I don't know what that even means.
0: I don't know. I was into it. I could see it contextually. In Are like, you sure. Yeah, and like you, a line. You uh, kind of cut your eyes at me a little bit there. They cut my eyes at you. Isn't that a weird expression? It is. Cut my eyes. I was trying to figure out what. Uh, how what would that would entail? You know, like a like, like a little like a little side
2: side eye. There you go. That was it.
0: Okay. I'm just yeah. for everyone. You're just, you're just I can't it, see this. It, I'm you know. just moving my head yeah. and maintaining eye contact. Well, whether or not the wig trade involved cutting of eyes, it also involved a practice that remains around in the modern day, which is that there were people who would grow their hair out and then sell it, and people would buy real human hair wigs. And all joking aside, uh, nowadays that is a thing. Um,
2: there is There are human hair wigs that are sold, but the thing that I always associate that with is the whole locks of love uh, scene, I guess, where uh-huh. people will sell their hair – to not sell, donate their hair to be made into wigs for cancer patients who have lost their hair through chemotherapy. I think that's super super cool. I have a friend um, who I used to do sound with back in the day, like uh, production, you know, audio mm-hmm. jobs, and he had the most luxurious head of hair just down his back, just like a like a great lion. And his mother got sick with cancer, and he donated all his hair, and had a wig made out of his hair uh, to give to his mother. And I thought that was just the the sweetest. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. But the reason that this is important, that he would donate this or that anyone would donate this, is because today these kind of wigs are very, very expensive.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is the this is the top end, real human hair. And sometimes people rate it by the region of the world uh, where this hair originates. But this is still what's really weird to me about this, man. In the 17th century, while you could get a human hair wig, it was still a couple steps down below the status symbol of a horse hair wig.
2: Exactly. Different different times, different uh, strokes, I suppose. But today, these wigs that are used in the English court system, they're like a prerequisite. Like you have to – like you graduate, you get your law degree – you go and buy your first wig, <laughs> but like I was saying before, you kind of want to hang on to it because you want that air, that patina, that mm-hmm. that yellow uh, thing to happen, so people know that you mean business and that you've been in the game for a minute.
0: You've been wigging
2: out. You're an OG <laughs> wigster, and uh, they 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 go for from a you know five hundred bucks for like one of these smaller slightly less ornate barrister wigs. Starter wig. Your starter wig. Uh, to like three
0: grand for a judge wig. These ones that
2: go, you know, all
0: the way down the back. This is a significant investment. And so maybe one of the questions we would ask is, we, we said that this was all the rage fashion-wise, right? But why? It turns out most, most people – Overwhelmingly, when I say most people, I mean overwhelmingly, historians blame it on syphilis.
3: Always comes back down to syphilis. That sure
0: took a turn. (laughs) Yeah.
3: At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for-product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
4: Live Nation presents Concert Week
0: corpse wigs wasn't enough the corpse wigs that was just like a, a little bit of a, a slight umami added into the story but now this is becoming this part of the show is syphilis centric yeah in the 16th century a lot of people in Europe were contracting syphilis yeah, it was also known as the syphilitic 16th yes yeah as you probably know it better as the syphilitic 16th mm-hmm. you know So the treatment used for syphilis, penicillin, wasn't going to be discovered until 1928. So people with syphilis didn't have a treatment program. Instead, they got rashes, blindness, open sores, eventually dementia, and then hair loss.
2: I mean, there's market for probably all kinds of like devices and uh, cosmetic little accoutrements to cover up scars and things like that. You Mm -hmm. think of like half masks for faces and stuff that had uh, some form of deformity that could have resulted from something like syphilis.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that. I just wonder who like cornered the market
2: on, you know,
0: that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Cosmetic – Accessories, shall we say? I always thought those things were cool growing up, you know, seeing the seeing the half mask in the Phantom of the Opera, for instance. That was great. I if I could get away with it, I would just wear one of those. But it would be a little bit anticlimactic and disappointing, you know, when I finally took it off if I had a normal face. So you I mean,
2: lose a nose, you can lose like a whole. Like your nose can totally get uh, eaten away. I, legit, I just typed in syphilis mask, uh, and I this is pretty disturbing. Actually, It came right up. It's a wire frame with a pair of glasses and a fake nose, but it looks like clearly this is an artifact. Wow. Um, and then we've got masks, like we're talking about all that stuff. But you know, if you just had
0: hair loss, a wig would be your best friend and a crucial one because. Hair loss was very problematic for people's social lives at this time. So, and this kind, of, this continues a little bit today. Uh, long hair at the time was super in fashion; it was all the rage. And because of the prevalence of syphilis, if somebody was prematurely balding, everyone just sort of thought they had syphilis, which is is a really tough. Uh, a really tough situation, unfair for uh, people who are just balding naturally. But you know, Larry David would take great issue with mm-hmm. this notion of mm.
2: you know bald. Uh, what's the word? Baldism. You know, <laughs> you look at a bald person and you immediately assume they have syphilis. You know, that's a, that's problematic in the eye. You know, you guys, yeah. you know Larry David,
0: right? Right, Larry David. Yeah. One of the uh, most famous bald men in entertainment. I know he, he makes
2: a theme, he he sort of like carries that torch, mm-hmm. you know, bit, proudly, b- very proudly and yeah.
0: cantankerously. No, it's weird because even today, especially in the entertainment industry, people who are prematurely balding are are kind of typecast. You know, yeah,
2: well, it's it's seen as like some sort of deficiency in right. your. Uh, your person,
0: right? Like a, um, for instance, if you if you're watching most television shows, you're watching an action film or something, and you meet a balding character, the chances are overwhelming that they're going to be like a lower level sleazy villain, and that's completely not true about real people. Uh, real, the idea of sleazy villainy knows no specific appearance type. Or template, But that's still better than what was happening in the 16th century where someone would look at another person who had hair loss and then say, oh, they have syphilis. Also, wigs were a big help for people who had another uh, prominent hair problem, lice. Oh, yeah. Man, my kid got lice once. What?
2: Really? Oh, yeah. And the thing about even today – Lice is seen It's got this stigma That it carries Right Where like Your kid gets lice And people look at you You're like You're a crappy parent (laughs) You know Like I did a bad job Keeping my kid clean Or whatever You know But the thing about lice Is it spreads And kids They're always You know Touching each other And you know Playing And being kids And all this stuff And yeah well you know When one kid at school Gets lice Like it's Can be assumed Like the whole school Has lice And so you know Let's just think of uh, This period In in English history Mm -hmm. As just like like a, uh, a ma- macrocosmic schoolyard where everyone's just giving everyone lice and it,
0: syphilis. It might, you know, it did reach the higher realms of society. Uh, here's an interesting story. Lice doesn't discriminate. Lice doesn't discriminate. Louis the Fourteenth, King of France, the Sun King. He was the king from 1643 to 1715. And he was prematurely balding, so he got over this by – or he, I guess, compensated for this by wearing a wig. And yes, historians do believe that he had contracted syphilis. And once he started wearing this wig, it's the king of France, he started a trend. And the upper uh, class, the upper crust of Europe, a lot of them started wearing wigs, including Charles II – who was uh, Louis' cousin and was rumored to also have contracted syphilis. I'm telling you, man, syphilis was out of control. Seriously.
2: I mean, if the king of France has syphilis, then you know it's running rampant. I mean, it's like he's – like, that's what I'm saying. Like syphilis and lice, they don't discriminate. They're, it's not just like reserved for the unwashed masses. Frickin' the sun king, dude. Have you seen this guy? <laughs> have you seen his hair? Yeah. And that's what we're getting with this, aren't we? Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of hair, but it's like he kind of set this uh, set this thing up as like a massive fashion
0: trend. And then other people started doing it because, you know, the king could have you killed upon a word. And if you're hanging out in court all the time, you're probably – I think there was a little bit of syncopacy, you know? Little well, was it wasn't even court, time. though, just right.
2: It was everybody.
0: Yeah, it was the everybody. The court
2: came later, I kind of read. I yeah, the,
0: the court uh, – I, I guess, I mean, the um, – the king's court. Ah, excuse me. See, here we are. We're, we're miscon- I'm
2: misconstruing courts. It's, a, it's not our fault. It's English. No, it's my fault. No. It's my—I take, respons- take full responsibility for misconstruing court just then.
0: <laughs> we're in the court of the Crimson King. Well, we can't judge whether—we we can't judge whether you should be guilty of that responsibility because neither of us has a peruke. It's true. We can't even present our case. It's confusing to Alex who has a uh, who has a gigantic judge wig on right now he really really does and he is
2: looking at us quite judgmentally with those piercing bespectacled eyes those long those long locks oh my god he just kind of tipped them down and i swear to god i looked into his eyes and i saw the void man i saw the abyss oh man he looked back at me
3: Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParodyFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
4: Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids' Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin.
1: off today
0: the practice of wearing these wigs in like legal courts actual courts of law did come later and i believe it was in the Late 1600s, 1680s or so?
2: I think that's right. Um, In this article uh, on HowStuffWorks.com, plug, um, you can see a rendering. I guess it's like a woodcut kind of thing of um, some attorneys. And it looks like one of them has got the wig on and he's got some really sick like mutton chops too on the sides. But then there's two guys behind him that don't have them. So I'm wondering if it was like, it didn't really get codified or become like, it was maybe like a thing that people did out of fashion at first. Ah. And then over time it became more like, this is the uniform of the court. And something we didn't mention that I came up in another article that I, that I was reading. um, As far as why they still do this today, we talked about the idea of how it gave an air of anonymity and, like, sort of like we're all equal in the eyes of the law or something. Mm-hmm. But have you thought about the fact that um, it possibly imparted some very literal anonymity, almost like a disguise?
0: So hardened criminals maybe uh, wouldn't know you on the street. That's a really interesting point. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if that played or how much of a role that played, you know? We do know that it persisted after wigs fell out of fashion, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you know, like you said,
2: it's like totally a um, historical kind of like a like you know the English. They're all about tradition and
4: <laughs> the
2: English. Like I just know, <laughs> like you know, everyone in England. Oh, the English and their traditions. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it does appear on first glance that this is like what that is. But they there do seem to be some functional reasons behind mm-hmm. it. The whole like maybe it's like sort of like a semi-disguise. It also could prevent uh jurors from judging you based on your 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 fashion sense. Because all I mean it is a fashiony thing, but everyone has their own type of each role right. has a specific type of wig. We're not like – these aren't bedazzled. There's no like – you don't get special, you know, barrettes or anything in your, in your court
0: wig. <laughs> and it is, as you said, part of a uniform. So it further uh, – it further removes, I guess, individual or unique identifiers. This was interesting to me as well. By the early 1800s, only a few types of people wore wigs in this, in this sense. The, those in the legal profession – coachmen and bishops. And bishops, I think shortly after 1830s or so, bishops finally cracked the deal and they were allowed to stop wearing wigs. And recently, as we record this, some of the laws regarding this historical tradition changed. In 2007, new dress rules did away with barrister wigs, mainly I think it's contemptible,
2: you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like if we can't depend on British lawyers of all stripes
0: wearing these ridiculous headdresses, what can we depend on? That's a good question. You, I, I think you will be happy to note that wigs do remain in use in criminal cases. Oh, thank God. <laughs> So maybe maybe that's another thing, right? Maybe Boom. that maybe that is another plank in the platform or the argument that wigs serve uh, a practical purpose. They are no longer required for family or civil court appearances or even while appearing before the Supreme Court in the UK, but in criminal cases you got a wig up
2: all over the UK and Ireland, judges also continued to wear those luxurious—what'd you call it, Ben? Ringlets—until <laughs> uh, 2011, when the practice was discontinued. And, and also, uh, English and British colonies like Canada, um, whose some of their provinces abandoned the wig deal, you know, throughout the 19th, 20th centuries, or even Jamaica, which got rid of wigs back in 2013. Um, lawyers and judges now only wear wigs in like. Kind of ceremonies, I guess, sort of more in a – I
0: don't know. What is a trial if not a ceremony? In a Mm -hmm. super official event? Yeah. So, yeah, that's weird. And let's say you're someone who's thinking, man, I really want to see this practice. I want to see history in action. You know what I mean? Then your odds odds may be best in Hong Kong of all places – According to a lawyer in Hong Kong named Johnny Moke, the symbolic aspect of the wig and gown is very important to Hong Kong. And he said, my feeling is that Hong Kong will probably be one of the last jurisdictions where wig and gown will continue to be used. So we might need to take a trip. You know, now we've finally got a, uh, a compelling reason to uh, tell, our, tell our bosses to send us to Hong Kong. You know I'm down. hmm
2: Alex uh, says he has a friend in Hong Kong we can go stay with.
0: Do they – what is their
2: position on wigs? He says their apartment is 200 square feet, uh, which means that um, – that sounds like plenty of room.
0: Yeah. What could go
2: wrong? I don't know, man. We'll have a misadventure. A gown and wig misadventure. <laughs> um, well, I think that's it for today, right? Yeah. 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 Man, that history was dumb. <laughs> Right. Oh, well, I guess ridiculous. It was not dumb. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's wacky. Right.
0: It's strange. You know. It's it's strange how easily bizarre things can become normal.
2: Totally, British listeners. I'm not dogging your system. I just no, It's not just at it's, all. It's, it's wild. You know. I, I I I guess when I say dumb, it's just like it's so easy for some little snippet, some little like thing to just infiltrate culture, mm-hmm. like almost
0: accidentally. And it makes me it makes me wonder about the stories of other things that are part of accepted forms of dress that are also kind of ridiculous when you think about it. Neckties, neckties, bow ties, bow ties. They're not doing anything. You know, uh, polo shirts with two buttons at the top. What's I'm, that about? I'm wearing one now. I know. I was just spitballing <laughs> in here. Is it so people could see medallions? I guess. You know, you <laughs> want to just show a little nip.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think that's
0: going to reach a nip. Well, before we head into the slippery slope of nip slips, it may be time for us to call it a day, book our tickets to Hong Kong, and see Wigs in action. I'm down, man. Let's
2: go. Let's go. But before we do that, uh, listeners... Tell us your wig tales. Does anyone have like a wig story or uh, have you – are you a hardened uh, British criminal and you have had to be dressed down by a (laughs) barrister with ringlets? I would find it hard to take that person seriously, the, the barrister. You know, they're standing there with that wig. Yeah, it's supposed to, like, I guess impart some kind of fear, strike fear into the hearts of criminals. I would just snicker the whole time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we're from very different cultures. That's so true. Worlds it, apart. In terms of head covering in the legal system, That's at least. True.
2: Yeah. Okay.
3: All right. Uh, we, well, so my point yeah, being, send yeah. us your
2: tails. Send us your wig tails. Uh-huh. Uh, we have Facebook. We have, You can just search Ridiculous History. I mm-hmm. think we're
0: the only one. Yeah. You can find us on Instagram. All, all the all the good stuff. We even discussed doing a Pinterest account, uh, which we might get to. But you can also email us directly at ridiculous at howstuffworks.com. And please be sure and
2: tune in for your next installment of Ridiculous Headdresses. I mean history. Uh, that's the name of the show.
0: Can we get a Law & Order? <laughs> I love that sound effect.
2: more Podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to
4: your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids, Bop Kids, Megan Trainer, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th.